Let the globe, if nothing else, say this is true. That even as we grieved, we grew. That even as we hurt, we hoped. That even as we tired, we tried. That we'll forever be tied together victorious. Not because we'll never again know defeat, but because we will never again sow division. Zippers. What you just heard was the words of Amanda Gorman, a 22-year-old black woman who joined the likes of Maya Angelou and yeah. Robert Frost as an inaugural poet. She graced our screens and social media timelines along with our 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden, and our first black, Asian, and woman vice president. That means... Kamala is arguably the second highest ranking elected official in the United States. What makes this so significant is that Kamala it makes so many of us feel represented. She is a child of immigrants. Her father is from Jamaica and her mother is from India. She attended undergraduate at the illustrious Howard University, a historic black college, law school at the University of California, Hastings, and was a high profile district attorney for more than six years. I think she has a lot of us at home and just a new representation and administration, administration feeling motivated, feeling like we have hope and feeling like perhaps you or ours unborn child could reach the ceiling and the heights that is the White House and being the chief commander in charge. Yeah, the, the Biden-Harris administration is off to a great start, and the inauguration just really signified this for us. I mean, not only was it a beautiful inauguration, but as soon as it was over, they got right to work. And just for context, in the first day right after they were inaugurated, Joe Biden passed nine executive orders. He's done 20, 19 so far in the last three days. And this is unprecedented. I mean, the last four presidents only did four executive orders combined in their first four weeks. And in the entire administration, the Trump administration, he did 212. Obama did 276 in his entire eight years. So Joe Biden is really kicking off rolling. And just for context, we'll give you all just a couple of examples of some of the things that their administration is doing. On the first day, they removed funding for Trump's border wall. Remember, Trump is funding, building a border wall between Mexico and the United States. Biden said, nope, we're pausing that. They reversed the travel ban for certain Muslim countries. The Trump administration put a travel ban on people coming into the United States for certain countries that were predominantly Islamic. Biden opened those back up and let those people back in. Amen. Amen. I think so many of us are happy to see those things um, be tabled and hopefully at some point eliminated. Um, another thing that Biden did with his executive orders is he's imposing a mass mandate on a national level. So if you are on federal property, you are now required to wear a mask and we should all be wearing our mask and just the leadership that that sets at doing it at such a high level. Yep, and he also, in another executive order, prevented discrimination on the basis of gender identity. So basically, this was mandating federal agencies to implement the ruling that the Supreme Court made, protecting LGBTQI people that identify with those uh, identities from employment discrimination under Title VII, which wasn't done before. 
Absolutely. Um, he also is just working. Some of the, some of his executive orders were around organizing an effective response to COVID nineteen. So, for one, he's going to fund the response to COVID nineteen, which is an improvement from our previous administration. <clears throat> he's ceasing withdrawal from the World Health Organization. Yes, in case you did not know, your previous administration um, wanted to withdraw from that during a time of a national pandemic. But we um, hopefully will be back in that. Um, he's restoring National Pandemic Security Office, um, obviously a national security office that has a huge role in how we respond to pandemics. And in the midst of one, why you would ever defund in the first place, child, I don't know, but we are restoring it. And we he's also establishing a White House COVID-19 response team to help guide him while he you know figures out more of things we should be doing on national levels to help with the pandemic and hopefully eliminate the pandemic where resources be going and help him in policy decisions connected to COVID-19. Right. And another thing that their administration is doing is pausing federal student loans um, for the duration, the rest of the COVID pandemic. Yeah, so that's the one everybody I know is paying attention to. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I know that was a lot of information, but that's how fast they moved on this first day, y'all. And I know everyone else during the inauguration, me included, weren't so much thinking about those because we were thinking about all the things that were happening during the inauguration. I mean, for me, as soon as Barack and Michelle showed mm. up and Michelle was in that nice maroon mm. outfit with the belt, the whole show stopped for By me. an African-American designer. Yes. I think Sergio Hudson is his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we love to see that. Um, and how many of us have gotten into those uh, Bernie Mittens? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> At Bernie memes, okay? <laughs> and he started, Bernie started an actual um, sweater where you can buy it, and he's donated 100% of the proceeds to charitable and community yeah. causes. Yeah. We love to see that. We do. And the mittens that everyone's talking about were made from a teacher in Vermont. And so now he's also promoting her brand and her mitten okay. work. So... Running out there doing it for the people as usual. Um, the other thing that was really notable that we will mention is the fact that, you know, vice, former Vice President Prince Former showed up, um, despite the fact that our other former president did not. But he was supportive, and he even did a whole thing. Him and Kamala were laughing, shaking hands, did the transition that's normally done by the presidents, but it was done by the vice presidents this time. Mm-hmm. So that was cute, nice, respectful thing that he did popping up and not going to his own former president's event, by the way, that was happening at the same time. Yeah, that's super. I think that says a lot without saying a lot that you pass up on. You were his VP. You didn't go to his event, but you're at the new administration's event. But he wasn't on the best terms with the Trump administration, despite being their vice president towards the end. um, There was some tension because Trump felt like Pence did not support him. Yeah. Yeah. So that probably kind of fueled all of that. And lastly, um, we are so excited. Something we talk about on the show all the time is being happy to see um, a politics that we we feel is representative of us. And obviously that means having people that are our politicians that serve us that are not just white men. So obviously we're always happy to have diversity and to see... Um, you know, our new vice president, what she represents is amazing. But we also have to remember that now that they are officially in this role, we cannot just get so happy with the things they're doing. 
doing at first. Unfortunately, we have to appreciate things that we never thought a president might undo. Mm -hmm. But that is the first step. Um, and now we have to hold them accountable to doing, delivering on the things they said they were doing and feeling like as, you know, constituents and citizens that they are representing our interests. Um, we can't get caught up in the fact that she's an AKA or she's Asian or she's black or she's a woman or Biden is undoing all these things. We have to give them credit for the work that their administration actually actual, actually does. And democracy works when the people hold them accountable because they serve us. So let's just all remember that. Let's celebrate and have a good time. But let's also remember that right now, basically, the real work starts. And I'm so excited for me and Jamie and Black T to follow this and keep y'all up to date with the things that they are doing and working on or not doing and not working on. I mean, yeah, I appreciate that point. But I know Kamala and Joe about to do it because they've been doing it and they will be doing it because they always been about the people. That's just my opinion. I certainly but hope so. <laughs> This episode of Black Tea is brought to you by the Divided City Initiative. The Divided City is a joint project of the Center for the Humanities and the Sam Fox School, College of Architecture and Urban Design at Washington University, right here in St. Louis. The Divided City is funded by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation. On today's Community Spotlight segment, we have the great Benjamin Singer with us. Excited to talk to you and learn more about your organization, Show Me Integrity. For our listeners, Benjamin is the executive director of Show Me Integrity, which is an organization that does policy and community advocacy here for the state of Missouri. And we're here to learn a little bit more about that and some of the exciting things that Benj is working on for St. Louis. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm certainly excited to have Benjamin here. I'm looking forward to, to just talking more about what does community and policy advocacy look like specifically, because I think that's a, something that a lot of us don't see every day. So yeah. I'm excited to learn more about that for sure. Um, so could you tell our listeners more about you, Ben, and your story um, and what made you become interested and involved in Missouri politics? And of course, this is Black Tea, so we don't just want the professional story on how you came into it. We don't want your resume. We really want to know your story on what got you kind of passionate involved in deciding to do this work and then doing it in Missouri specifically. Yeah, thanks, Alicia. So I'm 32. I'm from Chesterfield in St. Louis County, and I actually hate politics. So my family wasn't very partisan, but we did read the newspaper every day and watch the news. So I knew that there were problems in the world that needed to be solved, but I didn't necessarily feel like politics was the best way to do that. It felt really dirty and angry and corrupt. And there's a bunch of politicians talking past each other and not necessarily focused on helping the people that they were supposed to serve. That's how it felt to me. So I was volunteering in North St. Louis for a community fair, a health fair and basketball tournament at Fairgrounds Park. And I was, um, you know, walking the streets, passing out flyers to help people know about it, and also talking to small businesses, asking them to donate gift cards as prizes. And this wasn't long after Hurricane Katrina uh, had devastated parts of New Orleans. And we saw the images on TV, and I was thinking to myself while I was walking down Martin Luther King in St. Louis that it looked really similar in terms of just, you know, vacant homes falling down, you know, it looked like a hurricane had swept through, but it wasn't 
an, a literal hurricane. It was a storm of disinvestment and disenfranchisement and poverty and a lack of empowerment and a lack of r- responsiveness of our government to actually respond to the needs of the people it was supposed to be serving. So um, I went to college in Chicago and I was doing that volunteering during one of my summers back home in St. Louis. And after college, I was working in Illinois for one of the largest providers of homeless services in the state of Illinois. And homelessness had become something really important to me. You know, when I was growing up, in Chesterfield, but I would, you know, go to downtown St. Louis, I would see people struggling to survive. You know, it, it, it didn't seem fair. And so I felt really privileged to be able to part of some, be part of some really amazing work, helping people turn their lives around, getting housing, getting job training, getting placed into permanent jobs, good housing, reunited with their kids, you know, and this was saving taxpayers tons of money over, you know, foster care and the criminal justice system and emergency rooms. So I was really happy to be able to be part, a small part of helping turn people's lives around, helping them get back on their feet. But what happened was I found out it was more closely related to the dysfunction in our political system than I thought. You know, I thought I was just directly helping people, but the agency was getting a lot of government funding and the state of Illinois wasn't paying its bills. And they owed us about $2 million for services that we were under contract to do. So the state government, it was controlled by Democratic supermajorities in the Illinois legislature and the governor's office. And they said the only way that we can keep funding homelessness services and social services is by raising the state income tax. So they raised the state income tax and then they still cut funding to homelessness services and shockingly, at the same time, gave an $80 million annual tax break to the stock exchange. So they're cutting funding from homelessness services, and they owed us $2 million for services we had already done, and they're giving $80 million away in tax breaks to the stock exchange, the mercantile exchange. Why? Well, the mercantile exchange people had just donated $200,000 to the leading candidate for mayor's campaign, And I later found out gave millions of dollars to politicians, Republicans and Democrats, local, state and federal, basically could have whatever they wanted when it came to government decision making. While everyone else is both getting their taxes raised and having services cut that are helping lift people out of poverty. So this is the system is working for very, very few people. And so for me, this was a wake up call. Everything I cared about, whether it was poverty or energy policy or agricultural policy, which had you know been the subject of a farm bill debate in Congress at that time, everything was just going backwards. Everything was being driven by just a small you know special interest group at everyone else's expense. And it just doesn't make sense. That's not how we learn in fifth grade that government is supposed to work, you know, of by and for the people, consent of the governed, you know, a more perfect union. Obviously, America has never been perfect, but it's always been a journey towards or supposed to be a journey towards a government that works for more people, you know, that is of by and for the people. So I knew I needed to get involved, but I knew I didn't want to just get involved in a broken, corrupt political system, which is what it felt like to most people that we have. 
I wanted to get involved and help fix it. And there was already a movement that had been growing of people to reform our money and politics systems and reform our voting systems. And fortunately, we're winning. The democracy movement across the country is winning. When we run these ballot initiatives in cities and counties and states all across the country and here in Missouri, we win. And we especially win when we work together, whether we're Democrat, Republican, Independent, something else. Polling shows that the majority of people agree that our system has been corrupted by big money and extreme partisan interests and that it needs to be reformed. And that's what we are here to do at Show Me Integrity. Yeah, wow. Um, I, I really appreciate your story because I think it speaks to something that a lot of people identify with. You start with talking about being a child and not necessarily thinking about politicians or politics or one side versus the other, but really just wanting to impact your community and help your community and serve your community. That's why you did the work that you did during your volunteer trip in college and your work in Chicago. And so I think it it really speaks to the fact that a lot of people don't recognize how politics affects their daily life. Um, And once you realize that like, hey, there's something wrong with the system, that's what inspired you to do your work. Um, and I think it makes it makes a lot of sense and really powerful. So you talked a little bit about Show Me Integrity and, and why you started it, but I want our listeners to know a little bit more about the organization itself. So according to the website, Show Me Integrity is a cross-partisan movement for more effective ethical government by and for the people, as you mentioned. So can you tell us a little bit more about the organization and what your mission is and, what, and why you guys are working? Absolutely. So, you know, there are two main ways that we choose who gets elected in our system. One is voting and one is money. So those are the big areas that we focus on reforming to make sure that the whole system is more accountable to the people. And the example I gave about Illinois, you know, when I was doing work there after college, is that a lot of the problems that people, Democrats in Missouri will complain about Republicans doing are the same things that Republicans in Illinois complain about Democrats doing. You know, it's about who's in power, who has the money, um, and, you know, power corrupts. That's not any newsflash for any of your listeners. So it's about changing the system so that it works for the people and not just for the powerful interests. So, you know, after I ran a a grassroots campaign in Illinois um, that passed some campaign finance reform measures in Illinois in a grassroots bipartisan way. I was hired to do some federal work, run a similar campaign across the country, including in Missouri um, at the federal level. And then I came back home to Missouri to work on a statewide ballot initiative that helped reform our legislature to increase transparency, integrity, and accountability in our legislature. It reformed laws related to lobbying, money in politics, transparency of legislative records, and redistricting. So a lot of us on that campaign who had come from Republican backgrounds or Democratic backgrounds or independent, we got together and we agreed we need to keep working together. We need to keep this momentum up because when we work together, we can win. And, you know, if you, again, if you look at the polling, whether you're Republican, Democrat, independent, huge supermajority, 70, 80, 90% of people agree that we need these kind of reforms. So that's why we started Show Me Integrity. And we're really lucky here in Missouri that we have the power of the ballot initiative, whether you're at the town, city, county, state level. You know, the three of us in this room, we could get together and write a law 
you know, we're like, man, money in politics is really gone haywire. Why don't we put this reform, this reform, this reform that these other cities and states have done and that experts have recommended we need here in St. Louis? Let's write this law. Let's have lawyers look over it. And then let's take it around to our friends, have them sign this petition to put this on the ballot. And if we get enough signatures, we could actually put that onto the ballot and have voters vote on it. At no point do we have to try to convince or buy a politician to agree to get this thing passed. And only 24 states in our country have that power like we have in Missouri. So only about half. So we can go around the corrupt, broken legislative processes and we can go straight to the people and get that change passed. And so that's a big part of what we do at Show Me Integrity. Our 501c3 organization, Show Me Integrity Education Fund, helps educate and organize people and do legal research and other things like that. And then our advocacy organization and our political committee can go out and do work to help get those laws passed uh, and ultimately make our government work of, by, and for the people. Make it more ethical, make it more effective, make it more equitable um, by reforming laws about money and politics and voting and lobbying and things like that. Yeah, so I think connected to that, um, one of the things that Show Me Integrity is working on is launching a campaign called Reform STL. Um, Could you tell us more about what that campaign is and what it is that you hope to accomplish with that campaign and that policy? Absolutely. The Reform St. Louis campaign is pioneering a new community-driven approach to reforming government to make it more accountable to the people. In this case, the core of it is about an independent citizen redistricting commission. This has obviously become a very hot topic in American politics, including you know, nowhere stronger than in Missouri politics when it comes to the political games that get played dividing up communities in our maps and who gets to represent these districts at the legislative level. In our state level, that's a state legislature, and there was the big fight over clean Missouri and dirty Missouri and the redistricting fight there. But at the local level, it's coming up in St. Louis City where the aldermen literally just draw their own districts and decide who their voters are going to be instead of letting voters decide who they want their elected officials to be. So that's the core of the policy. And because we're exploring a charter amendment reform campaign, we can put in other things that are about helping the Board of Aldermen to become more accountable and transparent to serve the people of St. Louis. And we're hoping that this model that we develop in St. Louis of a community-driven policy development process is something that then we can take all over the state and help communities all over Missouri and ultimately at the state level create and pass reforms that make government work of, by, and for the people instead of just the powerful moneyed special interests. And so you're saying that reform STL is about that being done at a local level and that a lot of times the people deciding, you know, like which could title, what school your kid goes to, um, who represents you, how many people represent you that kind come from like the amount of people in an area. You want the community to be involved in where those lines are, are drawn and what districts are divided and how it's divided rather than just politicians themselves making that choice for the people without ever getting any input from the people. 
people. And Reform STL focuses on that process. Yeah, for the most part. Thank you for helping put it into English. Uh, to be clear, to be clear, it doesn't necessarily affect like the school district boundaries, but yes, it does affect the um, the districts that then, like you said, people's votes will be coming from and deciding who gets elected. So you know there are stories at all levels of government, but we'll just stick to St. Louis City for now, which is where this camp- campaign hopefully will be taking place. Where you know there have been older men and older women on the board who put forward ideas or advocate for reforms that the rest of the aldermen don't necessarily like, um, and so what the aldermen will do when it comes time to re- redraw the districts every ten years after the census is they'll just basically eliminate that person's district. They will they get to redraw the wards and. Uh, so it's kind of I think personal. There was one example. What's it's that? like it's like it's kind of punishment. It could be used as punishment to that representative. Yeah, which helps maintain the status quo because they just as long as you go along and get along, you know, you'll be left alone. But that means that the bold transformative changes that St. Louis needs to thrive as a region aren't going to get done if we just keep perpetuating the status quo. So there was one story and I hope I tell this right where you know they pa- they were about to pass this new map and they were going to eliminate this one older woman's ward and so the older woman actually filibustered to you know try to prevent this ordinance from getting passed but she had to go to the bathroom and so other older persons and other people who supported her gathered around her on the floor of the board of aldermen with like blankets and stuff so that she could use a bucket to go to the bathroom while holding the floor and filibustering um, to try to prevent them from eliminating her ward. Um, So this is the extent of the kind of political games that get played when it comes to you know, politicians playing games with each other, trying to defend their own self-interest or hurt other people's self-interest. And that's not what it should be about. It should just be about serving the people, letting the people decide from their neighborhoods and their communities who they want to represent them. And however it shakes out, it shakes out. And then the people who are chosen by the community go and vote on things that will help that community. That's how it's supposed to work. And that's what Reform STL and Show Me Integrity are all about. To bring that back home and tie it into what's going right now, the Board of Aldermen recently proposed a bill to overturn um, the Ward Reduction Charter Amendment in 2012. From 2012. Yeah, from 2012. Yeah, because this ties in right to what Ben just talking about with Reform SDL. St. Louis has 28 wards. A lot of people know that. We have 28 wards. St. Louis City. St. Louis City, right. Clarifying. <laughs> 28 older people. Um, And so some people feel like that's too many and they want to cut that down to 14, whereas other people feel like um, the 28 wards are important for making sure that there's an adequate representation of the people in St. Louis City. It was scheduled to take place this year, which is the year after the 2020 census. So it was approved. It was approved. The people voted in favor of it. But for the older people that feel like they don't want it to happen, they want to bring the question back up and ask people again. 
Um, yeah, which is why we talked about the census and how important it is in our very first episode because it's going to mm-hmm. tie into political decisions made for the next decade into the next one. And we see it happening right now. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, um, Benjamin, how do you feel about that, um, especially in the context of Show Me Integrity's work against dirty Missouri? Which, which is when the similar thing that happened at the state level when our statewide legislatures re-brought up a question that the people had already voted on, which was clean Missouri. So we're seeing what happened at the state level happen here at the city level again. Right, right. Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts, of course. Um, I'll be brief. First of all, this should come as no surprise. Like you said, similar thing happened at the state level. When it comes to community organizing and, you know, anyone who's gotten trained as a community organizer, it's all about recognizing people's self-interest and trying to align people to work for the common good based on a shared self-interest. The fact is, of course, for a lot of these elected officials, their self-interest is getting reelected and maintaining their jobs. And so it's no surprise that they want to draw their own districts and it's no surprise that they want to keep as many districts as possible so they can keep getting reelected. So I tend to not get really like angry or upset about this because it's just the world we live in and we have to work with that. That said, Show Me Integrity does not have a position on whether we should reduce the number of wards or not. You know, there are pros and cons either way. The most common benefit of having more districts or at the city level, they're called wards in St. Louis, is they're smaller, so it takes less money to run, and therefore you can just knock on a lot of doors and get elected potentially. You don't have to invest in expensive TV commercials or things like that to reach the people in a small ward. That said, if you have a lot of legislators in a body, like 28 people representing St. Louis, which is relatively small at this point, it's harder to work together. You know, it's easier if you have, you know, the three of us here sitting here to make a decision together than if there were 28 of us and we're trying to create consensus, right? That's common sense and it's also borne out in behavioral psychology. So there are benefits to having 28 wards. There's benefits to having fewer wards. We're not taking a position on that. The fact is no matter how many wards there should be, um, it shouldn't be politicians picking their voters. It should be voters picking politicians. Obviously, with Show Me Integrity, you guys have a mission and vision of making sure that politics works for the people, and and that's going to take a lot of hard work. So what's your vision for Show Me Integrity's future? What are some things that you hope to see? And ultimately, what's your vision for the city of St. Louis as far as what an equitable and fair political atmosphere will look like here? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great question. You know, a lot of this can feel really overwhelming to people who, first of all, may not spend a lot of time or have a lot of knowledge uh, to think about these structural issues, redistricting and campaign finance, you know, money in politics, different voting systems. But it's actually boils down pretty simply. You know, there are two things that drive how elections work. And therefore, those are the things that drive how government works, because it's what our public officials are responsive to. One is how people vote. And the other is the money in our elections. Those are the two things that help determine who gets elected, votes and money. And so those are the two primary areas we're focused on at Show Me Integrity when it comes to making sure that local, state, and federal government are accountable to the people. The biggest struggle we face as a movement for democracy is people believing that change is not possible. And that is not the case. 
Change is 100% possible. It is happening. We are winning all across the country and here in St. Louis. When we fight strategically, we win. And that's what happened with Proposition D for Democracy in St. Louis. That's what happened with fair elections in New York City that addressed this centuries-long culture of corruption in New York City Hall, and they passed a fair election system to democratize the way money in politics works that makes it so that candidates basically have a strong incentive to just run on small donations from their local voters because those small donations, if it's actually from a constituent, get matched six to one. That made it so that politicians can actually run to serve the people, actually go door to door and ask for people's support and run for office like they're in the West Wing instead of running for office like they're on House of Cards where it's about trading favors and back rooms and killing people. That's not how we we learn in fourth grade that U.S. government is supposed to work. So, you know, we're about about making it about serving the people. And when it comes to voting too, you know, what we have in most governments, including in Missouri, is the worst possible system of voting, which is you can win a party primary with 30% of the vote. If you've got, you know, four people running, you can split up the vote. And whoever wins that party primary, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat in a gerrymandered district or area, goes on to have an uncompetitive general election. So you end up with someone representing... Uh, you know, a tiny fraction of a tiny fraction of a tiny fraction of people. If you're talking about the number of people who turn out to vote, the number of people who turn out to vote in a primary, the number of people, you know, in that party. In St. Louis, the people leading our city, the mayor was elected with support from less than 6% of St. Louis city residents. The president of the board of aldermen was elected with support from less than 5% of city residents when you break down those fractions. And so, on the voting side, we look to implement more approval voting and voting systems that allow a greater number of people to turn out to vote and express their preferences instead of being excluded from the process because of party primaries or because you have to split your vote between different candidates you like and then none of them end up getting elected. And then, of course, other than voting and money in politics and passing those reforms at city and state levels, uh, there are, you know, things in between like ethics and lobbying, what happens once people are elected. Um, so those are definitely things that we're addressing, including hopefully as part of this reform STL coalition that Jamie is part of the group helping, um, you know, figure out what the policy is going to be and what's the process for the people of St. Louis to weigh in on the policy. And so we'll be, be rolling out a survey uh, in February that we want people to take to let us know what would they want to see in an amendment to the St. Louis City Charter if we move forward with this campaign, which we hope to do, uh, because we're only going to move forward with things that have broad support from the people. And so we really need the people's voice in the process. And thank you, Jamie, for helping make that happen. Yeah, like we that's something we haven't, you know, we're still figuring out how to fill our listeners in on all of our activities. Um, obviously, Black Tea is our hearts, and they know that we talk to them about things in this arena. But the way that we're getting involved and doing things is not something that we've put a lot on the show, but it's part of what drives us to do the show is because, you know, how many people are a part of things like that, like Jamie's a part of, but you want, I love that model of having people from the community be involved. And I think it's, we should talk about it because I want people to know that there are ways to be involved 
that are not just limited to being a politician yourself. Mm -hmm. And that is really important. That is the goal and the mission of Black Tea is like you should be being aware and knowing, you know, being able to make an informed vote is a way that we can all be involved, you know. Um, And then other ways, you know, when we do go participate, we wanted to have a forum to talk to people about what it is that we're exposed to that, like you said, perhaps the everyday person, you know, working two jobs, raising children, having a family, there's a lot of things pulling over our time. So those of us that are involved should try to be transparent and get the information and bring it back to our communities. That That's the only way we're going to continue to get input. So I don't know, Jamie, if you want to share something about your involvement on the committee. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say this. I think one of the reasons why, and one, I support Reform STL is because I think the community should be a part of the political process because we're all a part of the society. And that's why we wanted to make sure we brought Benjamin on the show to talk about the movement and himself as an organizer and the organizer of Show Me Integrity so that the, our listeners can hear that this is really the motivation. We all genuinely believe in this. And I think, as he mentioned, all of us really agree that we want politics to work for us so that we can live the best lives possible. So, yeah, that's why I'm involved with it. That's why I'm hoping to help with this community engagement process in February so that we can ask the people what they want to see, how can we reform our city charter, which is our bylaws, how we're governed, to actually work for us. Um, and hopefully we can use Black Tea and all of our sippers out there and our listeners um, can now know about this and take that survey for us so that we can get your input. So, Benjamin, we thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your work, talking about Show Me Integrity. We're so happy that we have people in this city like you doing this work um, because that's that's why we're here and that's our mission. So hopefully our community can can see it, believe in it, and be inspired by kind of what they heard today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Nice to have you, Benjamin. It's been great. I really, like she said, I'm grateful for your work and um, I'm grateful for you being very open and transparent about like explaining it to our listeners and our sippers and just even prioritizing that in your schedule. There's a million things you could be doing. The fact that you're here talking to them and trying to get, that's a part of getting that community input. It's really appreciated. Well, thank you, Alicia and Jamie, for having me. We definitely would love to get the input from your listeners and hopefully we will create a better political system so that good people like you can run for office and serve with integrity and ethics uh, because the current system does not encourage people to do that. People ask me all the time, like, do you plan to run for office? I'm like, I think we can do more right now with ballot initiatives. So I just speaking to what you were saying, Alicia, with running for office or serving in office is not the only way. And right now there's a lot people can do if they don't want to do that to make a better system. So thank you for helping make it happen and look forward to working together on making government of, by, and for the people. hear this but is a section of this podcast where we tell you what you need to know but you don't want to know or you just haven't heard but you need to know so we're gonna tell you so i don't know who needs to hear this but the many people that have been arrested as a result of um white supremacists starting storming Capitol Hill. Uh, Many of them have been arrested. Many of them have flight bans. And I personally love to see it. But you can get three stacks if you chip in and do your patriotic duty and go ahead. And if you know anybody you suspect them of any activity, you think they went missing during those days, you've seen some pictures, you represent somebody, do your patriotic duty and turn in domestic terrorists and get $3,000 for doing it.
Yes, you can. The FBI is having our back, y'all, as they should. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but make sure staying engaged for the next couple of months this spring. There are two very important elections coming up that you all need to be aware of. The mayoral election, a lot of aldermanic elections, and the school board elections. So just keep those in mind. They'll be happening in March and April. So just make sure you're staying politically engaged. Yeah, and if you're not in St. Louis, um, if you're outside of St. Louis, a lot of places are having local elections. And this is... We need, in order for government to work and, and us to get the things we want to see, we need people at the local level, the state level, and the federal level to be on one accord, pushing the people's agenda. So make sure wherever you are, if, even if you're not in St. Louis, you are staying abreast or staying aware of what's happening locally and you're voting locally. I don't know who needs to hear this, but... The St. Louis City Automatic Committee for Public Safety voted in favor of an aerial surveillance company by the name of Persistent Surveillance Systems to um, come into our city um, and survey people. And the supporters of this proposal are doing so, are claiming to be doing so in the interest of reducing crime. This is a development that is ongoing. The decision is not final. And as more information on this develops, you can count on Black Tea to unpack it with you and keep you updated on the status of it. Yes, you can. And last but not least, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Valentine's Day is on the horizon, y'all. February is creeping up on us. And I know a lot of us are going to be thinking about what to do on that special day. So just as a reminder, remember, if you are swiping on Tinder and going on your apps, remember that... Love will be in the air in February, and so will COVID-19. <laughs> and on that note, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you are interested in when you might be eligible for the vaccine, you can go to the St. Louis Department of Health website and take a survey and answer a couple questions, and they will let you know what phase and what time period you would be eligible for the vaccine.